Hey, serious privacy enthusiasts, ready to ace your AI data privacy game? Oh, you bet, Kate. Dive into the world of TrustSark's Nimity Research, your go-to for staying on top of regulatory developments in AI and privacy. Seriously, Nimity Research maintains a massive privacy and regulatory database featuring expert guidance and analysis from legal and privacy pros. So save time on privacy research, cut your compliance timeline, and reduce costs with Nimity Research. Get your regulatory research and insight at your fingertips with a free trial. So get ahead in privacy compliance and start that free trial today. Go to trustark.com slash nimity dash free dash trial. We, we equally have begun the same. The record for us now begins <laughs> the second world. Why not? Because why not? That's where the good content. So you heard it, people. Gabe has said it. The recording it, has started. So recording has started. To a very special episode of the Serious Data <laughs> like Diva it. Privacy Police Podcast. <laughs> Say that five times fast. One more time. One more time, Bob. One more time. Serious data. <laughs> One more time. The serious data diva privacy please podcast. I love That's it. That's right. I love it. I it's love amazing. It. It's like yeah. uh it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the 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 Marvel universe of privacy folk. That's it. I love right. it, except for so I usually like, do play a like villain, Loki. Debbie. So we'll be the, uh, oh, the villains are great. <laughs> yep. Ooh. I like it. I like it. I like it. I'm gonna you have to what? get me a Loki headset now so we can take pictures for this happening. Yeah. I guess correct. this is starting to sound very much like our pop culture episode that we did in season one, actually, Kate. It, it does with the what do privacy officers do when they're not doing privacy? We do cosplay. Exactly. Right. So let's do a round of introductions, as always. Let's my do name that. is Pal Breitbart. And I'm Kay Royal. Gabriel Gumps. Cameron Ivy. Debbie Reynolds. So, okay. So this is an idea that the three of us, the three podcast. So five of us had, in light of the latest rankings, it's not that we're not usually ranked together. I think we usually are. But we thought it might be fun to bring the top three privacy podcasts in the world together and do kind of one generic session. We thought about different ways it could go. We finally decided we'll do one episode, but all three of us will share it on our podcast. So I don't want us to necessarily take the lead like Cameron and Gabe and Debbie are our guests. No, this is totally five of us doing here. We have no idea what we're going to talk about. We vaguely debated it. But I will do the unexpected question because that's a thing. That's a thing. Okay. So, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll start with a topic because the summer is almost over. And as the summer went on, there were a number of privacy things that annoyed me. One in particular that I think a lot of people have ran across, right? Like, but the, the barcode scanning, the scanning of, of QR codes for, for all the things that, that we've done this summer. Like, how many people are tired of scanning QR codes this summer? A. And B, are we done with QR codes as privacy people? Can we put a bullet in QR codes? I just, I need them to die. I know why my IT homies like them, but I need them to go away. Prefer the QR code to the eyeball scan and all this other biometric stuff. So I'm fine with QR. I feel like it's, you know, I can deal with that. I'd rather do that than do a biometric thing. Here's what QR for me represents. The cum, which is why I think even as a jumping off time, it's the culmination of a lot of privacy bad that has just come full circle to like my mom, my dad, my, well, my dad's dead. So he's got different privacy issues, but you know what I'm saying? Yes. (laughs) 
but to but to all of the world is if we were to pick a topic that I think affects like everyone, this one feels to me like one I've not been able to escape all summer long. Well, I have a feeling that I will be able to escape it because in Europe, the infection rates are not such that the QR code is actually enforced at the moment. It will it will return. I'm pretty sure it will return. It has just been officially extended from a legal perspective with another year. So I think by the time we get to the fall and a real new wave of uh, a new variant of Omicron COVID or whatever they're going to call it, I'm pretty sure they will be back. But for now, we haven't been scanning QR codes for a while. In That's general, nice. I'm with you, though, Gabe. It's, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of sharing all of that, but I would much rather share a QR code than showing a medical, medical certificate wherever I'm going. Just the, the hit-no-hit system that the QR code for COVID offers, I think it's much preferable over giving all the data and detail. Huh. I'm going to agree, and then I'll, I'll I'll keep quiet. But but you're but, but I won't. Everyone that knows me knows I won't. But I but I will. I promise. But that's just one of the invasions of QR codes. What about every single place that we go to still to conduct all kinds of other transactions? Doctors' offices, restaurants, every rando on this on 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 any strip mall is asking me to take my phone and scan a QR code. It's popping up on LinkedIn. People mm-hmm. are putting QR codes in LinkedIn. And that's like, I'm not going to do it, people. I'm like, I'm already at a laptop or or a, a mobile device. I can click a link if you want me to. Why Why are you putting a QR code on LinkedIn? I'm going to hit I'm on some- my phone. How do I scan a QR code on LinkedIn while I'm on my phone using the why? same Why device? is this happening? Oh, I'm sorry. Do y'all not have the Copytronic uh, contact lenses Wait. yet? No, I'm a privacy lawyer. Okay, I don't like <laughs> right. Those. So you guys don't you guys don't go to restaurants and they don't make you scan your eyes for the menu. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But could you imagine? All right, let's just no, get those no. scans. No, not yet. I'm a very old fashioned guy. Same. I like a paper based menu. Same. I like germs. I agree. I'm all for paper paper menus. <laughs> Think about money. Think about money that uh, all the way into this point, like money is the dirtiest yeah. thing in the world. And we can't even just give us menus because they want to scan QR. Laminate codes. it and wipe it down for, for, for all I care. Like I, I don't want yeah. right data. <laughs> it's not, Easily. not well thought out. It's not well thought out. It's kind of a data grab, frankly. It That's is a it data is. grab. It is, it is the biggest data grab I've seen this summer, which is why it's like burning, burning through my brain. All summer long, when I think about data grabs and privacy issues, QR code just keeps coming full circle. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that about two years ago, two and a half years ago, QR codes went away because we recognized the dangers of QR codes. And now all of a sudden, you know, COVID hit and now QR codes are back. We did. Uh, they never disappeared in Europe. I mean, yes, for COVID, they are slowly disappearing for a while. But I mean, all my train tickets for the coming weeks are QR codes because that's easy to scan them at, at check. That, that requires me yep. sharing information, which I'm okay with. When others want to share information with me and forcing me to scan a QR code, for example, the restaurant example, means that they then get to collect lots of information about myself. I'm not a huge fan of that. There's also the, the there's both the security and privacy side of my brain that says, I, I think I know what I shared with my QR code, but can we, can you validate what information you actually turned over with that QR code? Do you, do you really think that the restaurants using QR codes for their menus have any idea that there is some tracking behind it? 
They have none. And that's part of the challenge. Any more than they know or care that their loyalty programs are tracking me just as much. From their perspective, right. it's all about their business model and, and, and enhancing that. My perspective, yeah. I just I just want to know what flavors of ice cream you have and I want to pay for it without you getting all my info. Like that's yes, all I'm I'm not. Not to give them any kind of credit. I mean, I like going there. There's it's affordable, all that kind of stuff. It's better than Publix, but did you know that they don't use any kind of uh they don't use any kind of like uh rewards programs or anything to take your data? Uh they they rely on just like old school like just being in neighborhoods near college yeah. universities and stuff like that. They don't they don't actually post their their rush or their grocery stores in areas that don't have college universities or like I guess I don't know. It's maybe it's a California thing, but it's it's interesting because they it's true they don't take any kind of information from you, which I think is pretty cool. Well, I, you don't need it. I like Trader. Well, they're they're a good store. I like them anyway. But one one yeah. thing I don't know if you guys have encountered this. If you go to a drugstore or something like Walgreens, sometimes they'll ask you to scan your life driver's license, right? Oh, so, right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, I know someone who works for a DMV and they were like, you have no clue what's actually yeah. associated what with. Over? Yeah. It's not just what's on the front, front of the car. <laughs> There's right. a lot of stuff right. there. So when they ask you to do that, they're getting like a ton of information and Lord knows what they're doing with that. And then you have like a loyalty is card. That, I mean, you know. Is that for checking ID for buying alcohol? Sometimes it's, which sounds like a very lazy way of just Sometimes it's buying alcohol. Numbers. Sometimes it's certain drugs that you buy. Certain state, like like I think certain antihistamines, like state where meth production is heavily yeah. right, right, <laughs> meth production, right, anything like that, any like cold medicine, they'll just ask you to scan it, and like Lord knows what happens with that information. Yeah. Well, Walgreens also has, doesn't have the, the best record. I'm not sure if you saw the post this weekend, but there was a whole e- a Twitter rant from somebody who bought a, a maternity test, a pregnancy test from Walgreens and got sent baby formula a week later from an advertiser. Congratulations on being pregnant. Wow. They never learn. No, they don't. They don't even know <laughs> the outcome of the tests. They don't. But that's scary stuff. It's like the marketing has just taken over. Like, okay, we automate everything and we don't know what's happening. I want to go to the store, buy lots of paper and green ink. And I want the U.S. Treasury to just mailing me hundred dollar bills. Like I want them. <laughs> that's right. I want them to know that I'm in the business of printing money. I mean, needing money. Yeah. And I want them to just like automatically just go ahead and send me some samples. I agree of with the that. latest hundred dollar. Like, why yeah. yeah, it never it never benefits us somehow. So yeah. yeah, no, no, it never it never benefits us at all. So so four hundred dollar bills ever show up? They never show up. But but Kay, you were you were originally gonna you, you were gonna jump us off from the topic. Yes. We have an unexpected question that we do at the beginning of all of ours. So I may move this to the beginning. I may leave it right here. But what is your favorite television show? We'll start with Debbie. Oh wow. Oh, I don't know if you should start with me first. Cheers I rarely on. watch TV, so I don't really have a favorite. The thing <laughs> that I saw I don't know, a couple months ago, which I really enjoyed, was uh, Dexter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Dexter came on Showtime. So I think it was, they had, a, they had a hiatus for like seven or eight years. I don't know. And then they had a new season that came out. And I really enjoyed it. 
I like it's it. Good, good show. Good show. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. I like it. Cameron. Oh, man. I got a lot of favorites. I, w- I just started Succession, which is phenomenal to watch such rich people who are terrible people, and you're so interested in it. <laughs> are you the Kardashians? No. No, no. No, I would say I would say either Peaky C-span. Blinders. That'll, you can just tune into C-SPAN for that too, if you're at. Oh God. Oh yeah, Peaky Blinders or The Last Kingdom. Ooh. Okay. Those are two of my favorites. I like it. I like it, Paul. I'm going for For All Mankind on Apple TV. Oh, I have that one. It's really good. Very high production value. It's basically alternate history. What if it wasn't the U.S. landing on the moon first, but the Russians and the space race that ensued since? And they're now in the third season, which and which is in the 90s, and then going to Mars. Wow. And it, it looks spectacular. I like the premise. It's also a bit of a political show because of everything to do with NASA is always political. So, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Oh, I like that one. I'm writing down ideas for everybody, by the way. So, Gabe, what's yours? That's the real reason you ask this question, isn't it? You're just you're like, these are people similar to myself. And so I'm just, yeah, she has some time over the summer. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm also not an avid watcher, but I got sucked in the severed, also on Apple TV. Severance. Severance or severed? Severance. Yeah, I've heard. It is supposed to be a good. fascinating show and, and well worth the watch. Because we, we, we do talk privacy. There's some interesting things to think about through a privacy lens. The premise of the show is that you disconnect your work self from your non-work self such that the other does not know about each other. So, so true fantasy. Yeah, yeah. And so there are a number of That's scenarios cool. that occur where it's like, well, should that character, should, should work you know about this side of your private you and vice versa, right? Like it's, but it is, it is a fascinatingly well done show on many levels. I would, I don't usually suggest anything. Television. I'll have to check that out. I'm I'm pretty tried and true. I'm watching. I'm still binge watching NCIS. That's good. I can't call it binge watching. Yeah, no, no. You sit down for 20 hours and you watch it. I don't. I only sit down for like two hours and watch like two episodes. But yeah, yeah. Isn't it? It's like trying to binge watch all the Law and Orders. You're gonna you're gonna be there for a while. Yeah, catching up on all of Law and Order. Yeah, that's that's gonna take years out of your life. Our world nowadays is is so strange. Like nowadays, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have the time to sit there and watch a two or three no. hour movie. But if there's a TV series, I will stream it <laughs> for three hours. <laughs> it's more interesting because there's more character building. It's more, right. it, I don't know. It's just more fascinating. More, yeah. well, the crazy, the uh, crazy thing was, is I ran out of the season on, what was I watching on Netflix? It only goes up through season 15 and they're in like season 19 or 20 or 21 or something like that now. I don't know. Ridiculous. And I'm like, well, where do I find the rest? So I actually had to go on a digital hunt to find season 16 and on. I'm now in season 17, but I had to find season 16 and 17, 18, 19. And it turns out it's on Prime. It's actually ah. not on Prime. It's on CBS. Right. Which, which is a whole you can get through Prime. Prime. Right. Yeah. So yeah. isn't that, well, we're going to get away from the primary topic, but I think that's, that's what's happening there, right? It's like, we, if we make things into smaller pieces, we can make you pay for it more because you buy the movie once, rent the movie once, go to the movie once. But I put 14 episodes on this platform and the other on Paramount, which now has its own, like everyone's got their own streaming platform now. Like get out of here. 
Yeah. yeah. But Gabe, that is privacy, though, because if you think about it, when companies want to take your data, they don't come to you as a whole person and say, give me your whole brain or give they me your whole you life. They take a little points. bit through the loyalty program yeah. and they take a little bit through getting a shot at Walgreens or something. And they take a little bit through here and a little bit through there. And before you know it, all these little bites of cookies. And that's right. Yeah. They've got the whole cake and then some. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I mixed enough metaphors. It's also privacy on the other side with people sharing credentials. I know you're not sl- not supposed to, but it's happening. For eh, I, I take HBO and then you take Netflix and the other takes Disney Plus and yet another takes Apple TV. And we all share the, the credentials for those so yeah. that we can share the Yeah, cost, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. <laughs> then also means that you would share, you can see what others are watching because then you have these different profiles or not. Well, I, I'm the thing I'm concerned about is when someone else uses my profile instead of using their own profile. So, oh God, right? My suggestions are just, you know, like, this girl is crazy. She like loves silly, serial killer <laughs> stuff and Vikings. I, like, I don't like Vikings. Or, totally messes up like your profile that. and what you yeah. get served up. Because <laughs> I, I, I choose everything under my husband and I'm totally sure they think he's completely sociopathic. Right. Isn't there better- <laughs> Whereas it is just you that's sociopathic. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, there would be a benefit to that if you all lived in the same household, because then it's very difficult to tell, like, who's doing what. Just, yeah, you know, you would just know this household has all of these elements to it. But when you share your profile with people outside of your household, then you can start creating these social graphs and networks of people that like things, et cetera, and whatnot. But here's the crazy thing, mm-hmm. which is why I, I don't believe that the, quote, problem, big air quotes, of sharing um, passwords it can't be fixed. 2FA already exists in your hands if you use Netflix, right? Like you can just have yes. the Netflix app in your hand and press the button in the Netflix app. Mm-hmm. And then on your screen, it's like, oh, look, it's really like they could fix this problem, which suggests there is they don't want to. There's a reason why. Now, I might just be getting a little conspiracy theorist here with it, but like the technology is already built. Like they have it. It's already there. It's already there for them. Like when you go to say add your Netflix to your traveling a new TV, a new hotel room. What, what does it do? It brings up that screen. It's like log in and here's the code and validate it's you, right? Like you could, yeah. mm-hmm. you could do all these things. Or you're just watching somebody else's account that has still logged into still the logged Yeah, in that never deleted TV. it. Exactly. But I think Kay's right. The ability for these organizations to, to get every bit of data that they can for us suggests that, you know, it's in their best interest to let these behaviors continue. As soon, yeah. as, we, as, soon as it stops benefiting them in that way, don't be yeah. Where families will come in and actually sign into their Netflix accounts and they'll leave yeah, them. Right. Uh, I've signed it. I've opened them up and I've had a whole family account. And I'm like, ooh, let's see how weird they are. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or yeah, you rent totally. a you rent a car and their Spotify is still signed on. Right. Mm-hmm. Or their navigation, yeah. which is which is crazy because now you know where their home is and everything. But I'll I'll interject in here a little personal story about Airbnb is I was staying at one in the San Francisco area at one point, and it was just going to be one night because I had to have a meeting in San Jose. And oops, Gabe would be back. Had a meeting in San Jose and then was going to be going to San Francisco. So I chose a one-night stay in San Jose. You know, it shows you, you know, a picture of the owner, his face and everything, and you get his first name. And I didn't realize the owner was going to be there, but it did say on the renter that, you know, the owner may be in residence. And so I called. And uh, Texas said, okay, I'm on my way over. I said, what do I need to get in the door? He's like, oh, I'm here. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, no worries. Open the door and there's this six foot 
four heavily muscled guy looks like a linebacker. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> so I made sure there were plenty of locks on the door. And then I looked up his first name and sure enough, he played for the 49ers. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's that was funny. a funny stay. I made sure there were locks everywhere. I hardly slept. Oh, Not that goodness. I don't trust people, but when you're a single woman traveling a lot, yeah, 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 you got to be smart. I had to go on a business trip once in West Virginia of all places, and the place that we stayed looked like you know looked like The Shining. It was like yeah. something out of the Catskills, <laughs> and that was one of the first times that I like barricaded my door with like a a chair because I'm like my hope my room was at the end of the hallway and it looked like it literally looked like those twins were going to come uh-huh. out and see? walk out it was see? like very frightening very frightening it is and I I travel with this little lock tool that one of my co-workers at Trust Art shared with me one time it's just this little steel thing that you from the back you can it goes around the the thing on the door that goes in and out of the the little notch and then it comes to the back and you lock it and they can't open the door. Smart. Period. You can't mm. open the door without disengaging right. it, but they cannot open the door from the other side. So that I travel with that. Now, I, now that I'm starting to travel again, I need to find. Yeah. It's a good idea. Talk about privacy, physical privacy. <laughs> Seriously, physical yeah. privacy is where it all started. That's right. That's valid. That's all valid, right? Okay, so now that we're starting to travel again, what are some of the privacy concerns that we need to make sure the world is aware of? Oh, wow. Let's see. I would say, I don't know, you know, sharing apps, connecting to Wi-Fi, I, yeah, airport, definitely. <laughs> or coffee shop Wi-Fi. Definitely don't do it in the airport. Yeah, I, I highly recommend people if they travel, if you can. Uh, get one of those hotspots that you can take yeah. with you. And then that way, because I don't, in the airport, I just don't trust the airport at all. Or use your phone for your Wi-Fi. Get a hotspot. Set it up. Use your phone as a hotspot. Now, I don't think you can do that on an airplane. On an airplane, I think you have to use the, the go-go. Yeah. Is that the same thing over in Europe, Paul? Y'all have to use the, the go-go on flights or something? I never use airline Wi-Fi. Me either. Because... Flying is one of the few times where I can still be without opening my laptop, connecting to Wi-Fi and and doing Mm -hmm. emails or Slack messages. So if I have to fly, then I use it as offline time or to read stuff. And the same on train Wi-Fi. I mean, in theory, there is train Wi-Fi on many trains in Europe, but it never really works. So I rather, if I need something, use my phone or just use the time to disconnect. Oh, you European, you. I agree a hundred percent. That's a, that's healthy, honestly. I agree with that because we are we're glued to our our devices nonstop. I mean, I would still be I would still be working. I mean, I would still be working and and reading reading papers or or writing stuff, but then at least without all the uh, the interruptions from messages and emails all the time. Yeah, I was in um, yeah. Lucerne, Switzerland, a couple years ago, and I was in a park overlooking Lake Geneva, and it was. You know, I had the Alps in the background. It was really beautiful. And I noticed I was the only idiot on my phone. Like everyone else was like having fun and doing stuff. And I thought, this is so, so dumb. I need to stop immediately. You know, so there is a life outside of digital devices. So go out and have some fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, you would think we would have learned that over the past two years, how to separate our work and personal. But 
it may be a lot of people have now integrated their work and personal on such a basic level that they don't know how, aside from the whole Americans never know how to take time off anyway. But they may have totally integrated their work selves and their their personal selves, as y'all were talking about with severance, so much so that now they don't know how to not work when they're doing personal things. I'll be right back. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think you have to find ways to carve out some time for yourself. So it, it's hard, especially if, like, I don't know about you, like, I, I, on my phone, I try not to have notifications. So I only have notifications for, like, emergencies. So, like, I don't know certain person yeah. called, like, my default ring on my phone is silent, right? And then I assign ringtones to certain people. You know, you probably only have 10 really, really, really important people that you need to reach out to. So right. they have yeah. different ringtones. So I know what they call. I know exactly who it is without me even picking up the phone. So that helps me. So I'm not like, because I would get pissed off. I would get like notifications like, oh, this horse ran a conductor. Kentucky Derby or like, something stupid. No. It's like, I don't care about that. Like, I can't believe it's like, you know, messing my concentration by interrupting me doing something right, important. Because you need that time to to actually get your brain into what you're doing, which for me is about an hour and a half minimum to be able to focus. And then when I get interrupted, it takes almost that much time to get back to where I was. But thinking of ringtones, y'all are going to have to share ringtones here because my husband, the only two ringtones I know he has that I recognize who it is, is he has uh, money for nothing for his brother, who's a CPA and likes to gamble. And for me, it's Mississippi Queen. (laughs) (laughs) Kay, what do you mean ringtones? Is that still a thing in the U.S.? Yeah, you set certain ringtones for certain people. Debbie was just saying in order to separate work and life, she she has ringtones for the only callers she needs to have interrupt her. Everybody else is on silent. And I was like, ah, oh. so by ringtones, you know who they are. My phone is always on silent. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just, yeah. I mean, I just see on the screen or on my watch who's calling. If somebody <clears throat> needs to, if I need to respond to somebody, then they will. And I also use those focus settings on my phone to ensure that during my personal time, I'm not interrupted by Slack messages or work emails or things like that. Yeah. Slack that now has become the let's avoid Slack. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you guys have Slack. We have Teams. Poor you. Which is, yeah, let's not get into it. Sorry, Microsoft. (laughs) I I will say, like, I think on the topic of this this whole, like, ringtone thing, I have two points that, that I wanted to bring up. There's, first of all, I can't remember the last time I actually cared about ringtones because... I remember when it was the first, like it came out and you wanted to play, you you wanted to like buy your favorite song. And then once it played too much, you were like, I hate this song. (laughs) (laughs) I hate, I hate this ringtone. And then you like, you don't want to listen to that song anymore. So I stopped using ringtones and definitely do silent like Paul always because you got your smartwatch now. You can just kind of control all that kind of stuff. But the one before, like when it comes to like notifications, Debbie, like you were talking about, I mean, that is, that is all down to a science of, making us purposely distracted because of the colors that in addicted it's it's, it's scary. dark patterns and it's psychological manipulation absolutely since i hate when it when did that become the 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 word dark patterns you know i'm not a fan Ooh. of the word but i understand why people use it right and being a dark person i don't want people to have this connotation that all dark things are dark right so but yeah i yeah. think i think what people are talking about is psychological manipulation 
right? Yeah. Something that isn't apparent to the person. But part of that is because companies make money on that. Like this is yeah. the, when you your eyeballs are on an ad or something, mm-hmm. you know, these markers charge money for that. So they want to get your attention. They want you to have these notifications. They want to pull you into, you know, just, just scrolling and looking at stuff. Someone's making money off of that. You haven't even yeah. touched it. You haven't chosen anything. You've not touched anything. But just the fact you look at something, someone is earning money from it. So, yeah. it's, so it's how about best Debbie? Interest. Rather than dark patterns, which I agree is kind of like black hat. Um, hackers, they're, they're mm-hmm. no longer black hat hackers. We want to be aware of the terminology we're using. We could simply shorten the word psychological manipulation into psycho man. I love it. We could just call it psycho man. Psycho mm-hmm. man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I think so. Sounds like a superhero. I tell. I don't think people, it'll catch on, but I like it. When people argue with me about this whole dark pattern, black hat thing, thing I tell them is that you can't even translate that into other languages, okay? That's no. how wrong this issue is. <laughs> so it doesn't, yeah. I think what you're trying to say is that there's something manipul- manipulative. You're not trying to say that a color is associated with something. Right. Bad. They're trying to say it's hidden. It's in the background. It's right. not clear what they're trying to do. I get it. Yep. So they could call it. But it is interesting because now I'm hyper aware of the situation and even things like on cookies, would you like to share your cookies with us? And I had the debate with people, well, but sharing has been taught from a very young age to be a good thing. If you ask people to share, Mm. you have taught your children they need to share. Sharing cookies is associated with a good thing. And so even asking the question, would you like to share your cookies with us as opposed to please make your cookie selection? Is that in itself a manipulation because you're putting in their mind sharing is good? Well, and the cookies are delicious. So, right? <laughs> doesn't sound that harmful, does it? You know, no. it's not like they're saying that's where they get you. It's not like they're saying share rhubarb or something like that. Brussels <laughs> sprouts, which is also delicious if done right. properly, <laughs> depending on how it's prepared. <laughs> That is good. Oh, gosh, I used to be forced to eat that as a kid and can't do it. I can't eat it now. Oh. That is that is interesting to think about it that way, though. Okay. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. yeah. Share, are you, can you share your cookies? Yeah. I'm sure there's some something behind it psychologically. Yeah. I even saw one the other day. It's like, yeah. oh, we want you to have our cookies, but cookies crumble. Do you mind sharing them with us? It was like, you're deliberately right. putting in mind people's <laughs> cookies and, and stuff. So how do you do that? But he had- website pops up. Hey, Kay, who stole the cookies from the cookie jar? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Google stole the cookies from the cookie jar. Yeah. That's right. Sounds that it would be Kay since she can't stand cookies in general. Yes. Yeah, they have is. to be gluten-free cookies, which are full of sugar and fat. Yeah. So, okay. So, Debbie, what topic do you want to launch today? Wow, let's see. Let's see. I would say, what are your thoughts about, I I did a post recently about Delta Airlines trying to come up with this thing where people can, like, let's say, for instance, you're in the airport and you go up to a flight screen. And instead of showing you kind of all the flights that are arriving or departing, it'll show you your, your itinerary based on the fact that they know that you are the person standing in front of the screen so i was asking like is it are people ready to go full minority report on this is it too creepy you know what are people's thoughts about it 
It's way too creepy. <laughs> and what I if think so too. And and what is what if two of you are looking at the same screen at the same time? Right, exactly. That's that's exactly. so. Is it going to become personalized screens? So you walk up to like a kiosk and it tells you. Yes, I, I think so. It 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 isn't clear exactly how they're going to deploy it, but they definitely want to do it. I guess they're thinking. You know, if you're if you have their app, they do know who you are and where you are in the airport. So why don't we just show them this on the screen? You know, someone from marketing thinks this is a great idea, but you know that that's really kind of an open door to start marketing other stuff to you, right? You know, there's they have an app on your phone. They probably are hooked in somewhere with Google, so they know what they're searching for. And they were like, Hey, Kay, don't you want these gluten-free cookies or something like that? Right? That's where I was going with it. It'd be pop up. Your flight to New York is at gate A-17, and there are three stores on your way there. You could grab your Snickers at this one, grab some to-go, gluten-free steel-cut oatmeal from this one. As a matter of fact, just blink twice, and we will order it for you so you can pick (laughs) it up as you walk through. And if you wave Mm -hmm. your hand, we'll just go ahead and charge it for you, too. That's exactly where that's going, I think. Yeah. It's all the technology is all there for them to do that. So I think that's kind of the play. I don't think it's for my convenience, frankly. Right. When is it ever for our convenience? No, it's not. Cameron, what what do you you think, Cameron? I don't know. I just think I think it's it's just like there's a lot of smart ideas to be convenient and more efficient. But I think some of this stuff is purposely used for bad things more than it is for good i think for sure and just us you know being lazy as a society yeah even though amazon is a billion dollar company because people are lazy it's easier to press a button than to run out to the store and get something so there's an advantage there's an advantage there so they i think if they can tap into the right psyche if someone feels like this is a benefit to them which i frankly don't think it's a benefit to me uh, well, you know, rather than having it be a benefit of checking your gate and buying your oatmeal on the run, why not be convenient in the most important ways? Let's reduce those security lines and scanning. Yeah, totally. Or how about this? Stop in, in the U.S. having people remove their shoes. How about that? That is bananas. Like someone tried to do something many years ago and it wasn't successful, right? this guy with the shoe bomb and then now everyone for 20 years has to take their shoes off which is disgusting because the floor is the dirtiest thing on on in in an airport and then you put your shoes in the bin it's just outrageous it's true but i haven't been asked to remove my underwear and that was also an underwear bomber so there's also no logic to it but paul what if you're not wearing any underwear that day i wasn't going to the no underwear i was going to what kind of underwear someone might be wearing that's I mean, right. those are all parts that's, of the risk wait, that's, assessment that, 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 not taken into account. But, I mean, Paul, there is, there is now just I'm curious. no consistency to the logic. If you have a shoe bumper and need to take <laughs> off your shoes, but there is an underwear bumper which you don't need to take off your underwear, I don't that's see right. the logic. So what kind, of, what kind of underwear was he wearing? That's what I'm curious about. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, was it Cameron, whitey tighties? I don't want was to it? Know. I don't think it was whitey well, tighties. I don't think it could have been whitey tighties, okay. Cameron. Just saying. Briefs, probably briefs. Probably. 
probably boxers. <laughs> okay. boxers. You'd yeah, have, can't yeah use... you'd have to, it'd have to be boxer yeah. briefs, something that has, okay, I'm not going any further with this. Right. We're gonna... I'm not even going to lie. I don't know why anybody wears boxer briefs in the, in the first place. They don't, they're not stretchy. No. Uh, I don't know how you can bend in those things. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. They're not very practical. Not at all. Yes, people, you are still listening to a privacy podcast, and Cameron is banging it Absolutely. And yeah, bearing with me. Yeah, we're, yeah, okay. So back to what were we talking about? Airline checks? Uh, airline. airline checks. Well, okay, let's go back to that. You know, the, the way to get away from that is TSA pre-check, which is amazing, but obviously you have to pay more for it. But you can get through well, it. Well, you have to give them over a lot of lot more of your biometric information, too. You so. do. And then the clear, which I had, I did the clear many, many years ago when they first came out. I had started doing the clear and then realized it wasn't in most airports. It was only in like two that I flew through. And then the more that it went and came and started getting more popular, I guess about the year, maybe the year before COVID, maybe two years before COVID, I started using it again. I was like, oh, I'm expired. I had an account four years ago. And they're like, oh, don't worry about it. Scan your fingerprint. We can bill you again. Okay. So I did that. Now that has expired over COVID again. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to go back to paying that just yet. I think I'll stick to TSA unless pre-check unless there's a uh, big issue or big concern to move to clear again. But I do see people still skipping the line in front of me quite often in TSA pre-check because they have the difference. Oh, go ahead. TSA pre-check is where you don't have to take off your shoes and you don't have to take your laptop out of the bag and you don't have to take your liquids out of the bag because they've already done a background screening on you. So you are a trusted person. That leads mm-hmm. into the global entry program, which means you can be shortlisted on any coming back. You don't get to pass through Canada's passport or Europe's easily, but coming back, you can come back from Canada and Europe in the USA global entry and not have to go through everything. Clear is where mm-hmm. you even go through further things, but it's a company that basically, I guess, pays the airport to let you come through their line. You have to be TSA pre-check in order to get clear, but you're paying to butt through the line. And what they do is they have a person just takes you to the head of the line, looks at the security guard and goes, they're cleared and they go through and they get to butt in front of the whole line. Yeah, but then you have to give your biometrics and everything. So you have to have eye, retina scans, fingerprints. Yep. Uh, address, you know, yeah, that's credit something card, we have in Amsterdam, that and that that's called Privium here. That is indeed, but it has a special lane, so you can just walk up. You need to give your card, mm-hmm. and you can go through. But all the yep. rest that you described from pre-check, that is the standard scanning at Amsterdam. They are not using the old-fashioned machines anymore, but they use a form of Röntgen technology, so you can leave everything in your bag. One of the airports yep. here had that, but it was almost as much trouble to do it because you couldn't put all your bags into one bin. You had to separate every single bag out to a separate bin. You didn't have to take your shoes out or your liquids or anything. You just had to put them in separate bins. But then as the bins went through, it was like one out of every three bins that went through got pulled out for a for an airline person to go check it personally. So maybe we're starting to use it, but we don't quite trust it yet. So we don't have our machines calibrated. But that literally resulted in like 15, 16 people waiting on their bags to come through. Yeah, I think it's much better in Amsterdam already than that. I think probably it's now one in every 10 or 20 that are being, being checked. But for me, I travel with a lot of electronics and I try to travel by hand luggage only if it's a short trip. If I need oh, to yeah. fly. So then my bag is just filled with 
mainly electronics and, and, and then some liquids. So not having to take all of that out of the bag for a security check and then repack it because that also takes time. That is, is a, is a lot easier and a lot more convenient. Well, I will say there are times when the TSA line is the one that's backed up, you know, the business travel times and you're like, oh, I could go through one of these other lines and be a lot quicker. Then you're like, oh, crap, I don't have all my liquids in the same bag. I don't want to take my shoes off. I'm barefoot. I mean, yeah, no. The shoe thing definitely gets on my nerves, but I'm happy when I'm in Europe, I don't have to take my shoes off, which is great. I mean, I never check my bag, so (laughs) just don't trust it. You know, yeah, I don't well, check I, it with very quick trips, but for long ones, I do. Or for pageants, I do. I thought I had a good idea, but then I thought, no, it still wouldn't be a good well, idea. Well, tell us the idea. Thinking, Let the audience vote. Maybe it's two ideas. So I was thinking this whole TSA pre-check, what if they did something like that for for gun purchases? And But the only problem is, is that, not to get political, but the only problem is, is that there's so many guns already yeah. out there that they're going to, you know, you have no control of where they are. So if there was a magical way that we could collect all guns that weren't registered, <laughs> basically it'd be cool because then you could you could make new thing on yeah. it that you would have to like either put your fingerprint in to use yeah. it or if you can't, that way if somebody doesn't own that gun, they can't actually use their fingerprint and use it. Yeah. It would be just, you know, obviously that'd be the futuristic, yeah. awesome way or to, to kind of control those things. But every well, that, purchase. Yeah. That was, there was a James Bond movie a few years ago that had that in there where the gun was could only be be fired by the person who was the, the owner of a gun. So that, I mean, oh, cool. to me, that sounds like something that's possible with the technology yeah. today. That would be a cool thing. I mean, it, it, it wouldn't hurt to start implementing something like that to at least, it might take years and years and years to get to a good state, but like start somewhere. Yeah, right. You can't just, we, have, we have the technology. Can't just roll, you know, throw your hands up and like, can't do anything. So definitely the technology is there if people are interested in that. Or the controls yeah. are. I mean, I know people argue about this being a constitutional right here in the U.S. I don't know that it's a constitutional right in other countries. I'll be honest, I haven't looked into that. But they argue that it's a constitutional right where you got a whole bunch of constitutional rights to a whole bunch of things that the government puts controls over because they're damaging. We have a mm-hmm. constitutional right to free speech, yet certain free speech is restricted because it can cause a panic or an emergency. So to me, just because it's a constitutional right doesn't mean there can't be controls around it. And when you got people dying mm-hmm. because of other people abusing their right, that's a problem. Right, exactly. I think yeah. <clears throat> we have a lot of situations, and I think maybe privacy is one of these things where it comes up where some people feel like their personal right somehow can usurp someone else's right. And I don't feel like a lot of things aren't really addressing that yeah. in, in my view. So, you know, I, I'll give you a, an example from way back. So remember Robert Bork, when he was uh, a Supreme Court nominee, people, they were looking into what books he bought and then they created oh, yeah. a law. They create a privacy law that said that you can't like look someone's book purchases and all this other type of stuff so that like the video hmm. like the video yeah. privacy law you can't look right. at what what videos someone has watched because you you yeah. might learn something private about them right. but yeah, i mean but that we, that law was really about him <laughs> and people yeah. like him it wasn't about you or me so yeah i think unfortunately we're not seeing enough laws to benefit us 
as individuals around privacy unless it impacts someone who's, you know, very popular, very famous, very influential. Well, that kind of makes you think of two things. One, we face that issue a lot with COVID the past two years as your privacy is out the window when it comes to public health concerns. And yes, your right to privacy is not more important than someone else's life. So you have to understand there are restrictions on your rights uh, to privacy when it comes to that, even though, you know, most of us are all of the ones of us here would be arguing for the right to privacy. No, that goes out the window when it's public health concerns. But two, makes you think of the laws that are up right now. So the American proposed law and, of course, the regs for the CPRA, which, ooh, someone dive in on one of those. This may be our last topic. I'm looking at the time. This might be our last topic <laughs> to come through. So what are your thoughts on the America, or the potential of, the, of America actually getting a law? And is that good when it's going to usurp California? I don't think it's going to happen. And if it does, I think it'll be sort of wafer thin. So I think preemption is a poison pill in this law because there's just been so much stuff that has happened on the state level yeah. where I don't think these states are going to go for that. I think maybe 10 years ago, if they had done this, they may have gotten away with it. But after Or two years days, ago. They would have even done yeah. it two years ago. <laughs> I think they would have gotten away with it, but I don't see this bill passing with that preemption. Maybe they carve that out. Uh, who, who knows? I, we don't know what the final thing will be, but I think preemption in it, I don't see it going distance for i think you asked another question the cpra rigs yeah california is complicated (laughs) yeah that's a good way of putting it it's very complicated so uh, i don't know for me i try to wait till the cake is baked before i jump in on some of this stuff because it's still changing and so it's, it's just hard to to keep up really yeah, I'm I'm looking, I'm I'm diving into the CPRA rigs this week to see about submitting comments. But I explained to the people I work with, I, I look for very specific things. Are we so far against this that it would destroy our business to have it? Or are we so far in favor of this is that someone else gets it eliminated, it would be a bad thing. Um I don't like to go for the middle areas. I, I like the extremes. Yeah, when I look at when I look at a new law, I always look for I immediately go for what's the exclusions. So yeah. what are excluded? Because those are the edges, right? Um, oh, don't really get me to... started on excluded in these state laws. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, in case y'all don't know it, Colorado is the only one that does not exempt nonprofits. Now California is a little bit of a of a complicated, interwoven, complex thing, but in general, they exempt nonprofits. Colorado is the only one that specifically does not. But what is this about exempting businesses who are covered entities under HIPAA and not limiting it to the areas of the data they would touch as that covered entity, but exempting the entire organization because their focus is on is on one specific? No, 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 no. That's a bad thing. Someone wrote yeah. a bad law. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. Or covered entities really lobbied heavily to have Wait, that in there so okay go can you go a little bit further into that because that is a good question that's a good question why would there be companies exempt when it comes to hippo related right and i'm trying to think who did who did we see this out of was it connecticut paul i don't know i think the, it was the, connecticut this is your fetish 
Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> Connecticut privacy law. Let me pull this up real quick. Hot potato, right back to K. Let's see. Privacy law. Well, you know, HIPAA law. is not the most interesting law for us Europeans. Oh, HIPAA is fascinating. In, in, okay. In terms Fair. of applicability. In, in any case, all those state laws are not the most fascinating for us Europeans <clears throat> since they will never apply to us Which anyway. Is- yeah, right. Paul is okay. So on that same topic, so obviously, healthcare is the number one breached or like realm. Okay, is that the same in Europe? What what's is a uh, is uh, that's only the United States, right? I think I think that's mainly in the United States. I think healthcare is not the 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 main the main data breaches here in the Netherlands or here in Europe. I think there are mainly. Uh, mainly financials, I would say. Yeah, which is number two in the U.S. Would have the the biggest breaches, and I'm just looking at the data breach reports for the Netherlands, and here we see that. that the main sectors for breaches. Yeah, it's it, it is healthcare. It is healthcare in the public sector okay. uh, on two, and financials on three. Yeah. Okay, so back to Connecticut's law. Here we go. Section 3 says the provisions of Section 1 to 11 of this entire act do not apply to blah, 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 government, nonprofit organizations. There's your exemption there. Institution of higher education. So it does not apply to any type of school entity of higher education. National Securities Association that is registered under the Securities Exchange Act. Financial institution or data subject to Title Five of the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act or covered entities or business associates as defined under HIPAA. Here's the thing. You're exempting the entire entity. You're not exempting the GLBA mm. entities as it applies to financial data. So in other words, none of this would apply to any other data they're doing. The second part of that, that was A. The second part B says the following information and data is exempt. And then it goes through PHI, patient identifying, identifier private information for human subjects. It goes into all of these other specific kinds of data. So they are exempting the entire organization. So if you had a a conglomeration, even if it's a healthcare, if they are a covered entity, it doesn't apply to any data that they process. So even the data they collect online for cookies, that is not PHI. Now, to take that further, people are like, yeah, but healthcare institutions should be exempt. Okay, fine. Business associates. Amazon is a business associate. Microsoft is a business associate. All of these huge entities you're thinking of, Google is a business associate. It doesn't limit it to Google is exempted for the areas in which it operates as a business associate. It's exempting the entire organization. That's a problem. It's strange. Do you think That's they realize? They were stupid. There's no way they could have realized unless they were lobbied that hard. This is Connecticut. It's a small state. It's one of the smallest states we have. But still, if other states are going to copy this as a blueprint to try to use it, they better hope they're working with some privacy people to understand the implications of this. Maybe it's it's enough to just get this. me on fire. <laughs> Maybe you should write a paper about this. I should yeah, write a paper about good. this. There you go. I'll write a paper about this. But So Gabe, what do you think about EPA? Any chances of it making the mark? I was going to lobby all kinds of other sully descriptions as to why all of this fails. Um, <laughs> Bless you. Tell us tell <laughs> your thought, Gabe. Yeah. Look, 
the problem with HIPAA is in HIPAA. It's the P, right? Like I'll start there and then we'll work our way to the rest of it. But the P stands for portability. And the reason why our healthcare data needs to be as portable as it is, is because we don't have universal healthcare as a nation. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat this, quite frankly. Like now, that being said, the NHS, for example, in, in, in England has its own issues, but a lot of those issues don't, don't arise from whether or not you, to the point you just made, Kay, are required by necessity of the business you are in to share data with these other parties, right? Like you don't have to share data with the healthcare guys down the street because you're all part of the same body, if you would. The reason why those except entities exist in such a broad range, in my, my opinion, wholly unconfirmed, you know, to your point, we should probably find out like, were they just lobbied? Did, were they not being bright about this? Or did they leave it that broad? Because if you don't, then as a healthcare organization, you can't share with another healthcare organization without explicitly stating and, and, and kind of going through and enumerating all. So you just say with other parties that you do business with, except for when those businesses are non-healthcare businesses, right? Like at, at least that lens of exempting the, the, the business partners that are also at least in the same business, but. No, this is no, all, no, that would have yeah, been stupid. All of this, in my opinion, both professional and personal, flows from a singular point of failure that is how the PII is generated in the first place, which is this dispersed group of entities that don't have to exist. But let's argue that they do have to exist. So then what? Right. Like then I think it comes back to your point of, well, now we've just been too broad in what we both define and exempt as the organizations participating in, in, in moving this data around. Well, but ultimately, they could have left yeah. it out of the entities and just protected the data and says it doesn't apply to this type of data when it's shared. That's the way to do it. If you want HIPAA data to remain under HIPAA, which, by the way, it's not the health information that's portable. It's the insurance that is portable. So I think at least the, that that can help. The data is supposed to be portable under the act also, hence requiring a number of electronic controls such that it can move from provider to provider, et cetera. It, it was part and parcel of all of it. It has failed significantly for the better part of 30 years. And I think that is equally part of the problem. HIPAA continues to exist largely in the form it has since Bill Clinton was in office. And now we are discussing and debating the entrance of privacy laws that have barely made it through, you know, its first round of junior legislators in, in, in office. Yeah. I think that's part of your challenge. I yeah. think, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to jump in here one more time. But I think part of our problem is that we don't have privacy as a fundamental human right in the U.S. Right. But then also a lot of these laws we're talking about, HIPAA is not a privacy law. It's about portability and it has a part in there about privacy. That's what people kind of latch on to. And that's the mm. problem with all these other laws, like Roe v. Wade and all this stuff. Like privacy is in its own, it's not in its own box, right? It's not called out on its own as its own thing. It's kind of attached to these other things. And there it, it just makes it a lot more tricky for people to navigate that. So there are a lot of gaps and holes there. Yeah, yeah exactly. As they- in the US, you have to be a customer of a particular type of business in order to have your data protected. You have to be a customer of healthcare. Mm-hmm. You have to be a customer of finance. You have to be a customer of the government. You have to be a customer of education in order for to have any privacy rights. And even then, there's a lot of caveats where your data may or may not be protected. A lot of people don't realize your health data is not protected by default. 
that has to be subject to certain types of laws in order to be protected. So, you know, they, they think they go and take, go to a health fair and they get their blood pressure taken and they get the measurements of their little digits to see if they have osteoporosis. That data's not protected, y'all. It just ain't. It ain't protected. Now, it's protected under medical confidentiality. Don't get me wrong. But it's not protected by any type of law that is passed like HIPAA uh, to mm-hmm. specifically protect it. But I do think these state laws are not consulting the right people to pass their laws. I mean, Arizona, we tried four times to pass it, and I finally went and read it. And I was like, oh, no wonder it's not passing. That's horrible. Which, <laughs> by the way, yes, I could volunteer to to talk to people and, and see if we could work on it. But it could have been that could have been a compromise. Maybe that was the best compromise they could get of the people that we're hoping to support it to get it to pass. And if that's so, yes, it's horrible. But that that's the way it's going to be until the federal government passes a strong law, not a wafer-thin law, but a strong law. The United States is not going to have general data protection across the board. Amen. Can I, can I push back and challenge the, no. the, the statement or the, the general consent that, yes, I'm going to do it anyway, that HIPAA <laughs> is not a privacy law? I don't, I don't know how HIPAA by, by its instantiation wasn't privacy and, and again i know i know Kay, the the decisions you're making about the portability of your insurance but because of the way insurance in this country work by design and default things like pre-existing conditions were necessary bits of health information required to be shared such that your health and such that your insurance could be portable all of the, all so literally from the first day they they did luckily think about this. They said, oh, wait a second. I have to share that. So th- those controls were at least thought about originally then as part of it. I think that even though we didn't use the big P word, privacy, when, when you know HIPAA was being instantiated, I don't think anyone would argue that that was a necessity of HIPAA in yeah. order to be compliant. The, the challenge has become the rest of the world is 30 years now removed from that instantiation right. point. <laughs> HIPAA is still where it is. Right. That's... That, that's really where we stand. Right. And, and here you make another great, just real world example of, you know, someone goes to healthcare act and they, they prick their finger. All of that information, the portability of that travels with your insurance. All of that travels with your insurance and along each step of the way until we had things on, until we do have things that say the original purpose of collection must meet, you know, its existing use, et cetera, like GDPR, for example. You you can give that blood sample to anyone you want today. It'll change hands five times and be used for things that you never intended it to be because of the way not just our privacy laws work, but because of the way our insurance works. That is true. That is true. And as part of my dissertation, I went back and I looked at the, the history of privacy laws and privacy laws you really weren't passed until the 60s, early 70s. And the first one was recognized in uh, Germany. The first national privacy law, I think, was Sweden. Sweden, 1974. 1974. Now, does that does the 1974 stand out in anyone's head? The Privacy Act I mean, was passed in 1974 here in the U.S. So yeah. the U.S. really wasn't that far behind other countries. It's just the way we approached it was very different than anyone else in the entire world. Well, and that brings us also to, to the current day, because... In the Dobbs judgment, the Supreme Court held that there is no such thing as a constitutional right to privacy, that Stupid it was artificially justices. created in Roe versus Wade, but that it doesn't actually exist in 
the U.S. Constitution, which means Stupid that justices. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, mean, I agree with with that. with with your judgment on on the Dobbs ruling, but the main difference between Europe and and also some African and and Asian countries is that privacy is regarded as a fundamental right, whereas in the U.S. Yeah. it is still seen as a consumer right. That is also why in all these laws it is the consumer privacy act. It is the consumer and not the individual or the data subject that counts. Right. It only applies to people who have residence in that state instead of being applicable to everybody. Yeah, even which would then, be sounds like our healthcare privacy. systems. You're right. In the U.S., the privacy rights, even in those states, only apply to the residents of the state. They do not go one step further and say any company in this state that is subject to the law must apply those privacy rights to yeah. all of the data they process. Even is China is do doing that. GDPR. Even China is giving me more data protection rights than the U.S. is. Yeah. Uh, let's not let's not give them that much credit. If well, we it's can. true, if you look at the letter of the law, <laughs> purely black letter law within the four corners of the page, I think is what I mean, he's saying. I mean, sure, there are other concerns for China. That's absolutely true. But if you look at the data protection law. I can enjoy individual rights under PIPLE, whereas I cannot Pipple. under CCPA or, or the Virginia oh, law or I even I can't let you do this. I can't let you do this, Paul. No. No, 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 no. There are no universes where you enjoy any data privacy in, in that. In no, under no, no. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. Like, I know what the paper says. I totally get it. I, I absolutely understand. But I also understand that for many, many years, even in the, in, in the country that we call home here in the U.S., that, and today there are things that are on the books as laws that either aren't representative of what actually happens and or shouldn't actually be there. Yeah. That China might be the worst example of. And here's my concern why, why I, I really press on it. I worry also that we, as a as a company, as a country, are starting to put in exactly such laws. Someone's going to look at the law that that Kay just read and say, "But wait a second, that state has privacy laws." And when you and I and everyone else at this roundtable is going to go, "No, they freaking don't." And someone's going to hold up the document and go, "Look, yes, they do," and we're going to go, "No, they don't." <laughs> well, actually, what I think is going to happen, especially with uh, some of these laws we just mentioned, probably not in the U.S., but that fifty years down the road. History is going to say they had privacy laws and they had privacy protections when we know that more than likely the way that is actually works on boots on the ground, not really. But history will look back and say, yes, they did because they passed this law. Facts. Big facts. And that might be a good note <clears throat> well, to have... end on. So Cameron had something to say. Well, actually, I got, I got two things. <laughs> I, got, I got two I'll things. Because I... I I do have a question for everybody, but first, I have a, a suggestion for the weekend or whatever when you have some time. What I did the other day. You put your shoes on backwards. I know, it's up there. You went to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're close. I actually watched the movie Jaws backwards. Ooh, I've never seen the movie, so yeah. okay. Well, it's, it's, if you watch it backwards, it's a heartwarming story about a shark who gives legs and arms back <laughs> to, <laughs> to disabled oh, people you can take it i'm gonna go i think i'm gonna watch Amish uh, reverts now just to make me feel better i like that um, first opening scene where the ship docks and people get off <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they make it back they identified they needed a bigger boat, so they built it smaller. I got it. Man. So my question before the pandemic, let's just say like our 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 early childhood 
if you could think back go back work. and well yeah if you can if you could tell yourself one thing before the pandemic happened in, in 2020 to prepare for certain things uh, what do you think that one thing would be to, to, to tell yourself before it happened <laughs> you just sucked all the air out of the room yeah. i mean there's we can always cut this out and just end with the laughs to that question but a non-amusing answer to that question i'm not sure i'm not sure it might simply be to embrace uncertainty even more than usual because it's about to get real flipping uncertain. Yeah, I would say try to enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. So stop looking at your phone. Go outside, get some air. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that up one notch, which is gonna take the uh, conversation down one notch. I would say all those people you love, reach out and tell them you love. Make yep. that time happen. Quit thinking. Mm. At some point, I'll go visit so-and-so, or at some point, I need to see so-and-so. Take the time. Make that happen. Because a lot of us lost a lot of people that we'll never be able to say that to again. Mm-hmm. Well, some learned also from, from the whole pandemic. I think ensuring a good work-life balance is actually something that I should have told myself already somewhere in 2018. Uh, yeah. Um, Before you met me, learn to relax. Yeah, well, I mean, I can relax, but getting the right balance and also during the day, I think that would be uh, that would be a good tip. But yeah, that's that's those are all good. Uh, I would say, Paul, with yours is, I think everybody suffers from that 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 balance. It's probably the biggest challenge, especially if you know the situation. Life so, is not work. Yeah, there's. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think anything life is precious that we've learned through through all of this and it shows a lot of i don't know about you guys but i learned a lot about some of my family members and friends mm-hmm. and all the weird views that i did not want to oh, know about oh lord oh my <laughs> gosh it's like i don't know if you guys have seen it yet but go go on netflix and watch the new stand-up by what's his name i always do this dang it the Redbeard, bald head oh uh is he the one that does the uh, guy from ones now gerald oh. No, no, no. The the famous comedian. Okay, I can't no, believe I'm forgetting um, his name. Lewis? No. We'll throw the name in. He's really, he, he's always controversial. It's not Lewis C.K. It's the, it's the, he was in, he was in Mandalorian. He played one of the, oh my gosh, you can edit this out. I it's sound okay. like an idiot. As soon as you say the name, we'll get it. Hold on. Just look it up. Just Google because redhead old. comedians. What do you Burr. Bill Burr. Okay. That was not one that was coming to mind. Oh for my. Me. Okay. Was it was thinking. hysterical. He talks about he talks about like the a lot of things that are ocean thing where he talks about how like there's all these people like America and then they're like, all right, let's get you vaccinated. No, they're all about America and then they don't they don't trust the government. It's just I don't know. His views are hilarious. I think it's funny, but I just I think it's so true. Like there's too many people that are just mixed or they just I don't yeah. know. Just too. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird I... world. It's a weird world. I don't know. I, I, you may want to cut this out too, but I don't know. I feel like I was growing up that there was more connectedness with people. Yeah, you know, people were like, "Oh, you know, we have pride in our country, and we, you know, mm-hmm. we're together." Like when I go to like Germany or when I go to Spain or something, they're like, "We're Spain," or you know, there's kind of like a national feeling where it's kind of communalness about pride in their country. And I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't feel that now <laughs> in the U.S. like I did growing up. It just is not. It's, it's more individual. It's like, oh, it sucks to be you. You know, I, I 
happy I have my rights, but I don't really care about you and your what's going right. on here. Well, you know, Debbie, that's pretty much the same all over Europe right now. It is also <laughs> here, it's changing much more, much more looking at what distinguishes us than what unites us. And the fights are, are everywhere, whether it's from the extreme right or the extreme left, but the crazy people that try to divide us are everywhere. Um, Why do I think that your extreme Europe. right and your extreme left probably have nothing on our extreme right and our extreme left? Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. I just I mean, want to be let alone, okay? I just want I would to be, get out I'm, of my I'm business. A, <laughs> I'm very much centric here in Europe, but I would be on your extreme left. So uh, I'm... Uh, that, <laughs> You know, you know what? I think a good point to make, though, Debbie, to your point, I think today, because back then the world wasn't so open and everybody didn't know everything about everything, that now everybody's basically taken off their mask and we all wear masks. But now it's almost like you're in a relationship with the world and everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows every dark secret. There's no, it's just like, yeah. I don't know. What kills me are all the videos that people are posting about fights that happen. I get it. Oh, videos yeah. posting about really critical things, George Floyd being one of them, matters. But videoing a fight in a fast food place about someone not wanting to, I don't know, wear a mask? Or, yeah. or even something not, not as that. Someone looked down and mumbled and you won't look in my face because you're a racist? I mean, it. Why are we posting videos of fights? Half the time my husband's playing Reddit and I'm like, what are you watching? Good Lord, when did that happen? He's like, oh, it's just a fight at a McDonald's. And I'm like, what the heck? And it's about, and it's about nothing in I most can, cases. I can, answer the, I can answer the question. It's getting posted because it's being consumed. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. It's like and a that brain brings people want circle. negative. That brings yeah. us full circle, that issue. And I think yep. for the past 75 minutes, our listeners have heard that a privacy podcast can cover a whole range of topics, basically everything that happens in life. And we didn't even talk about food today. I mean, typically <laughs> on serious <laughs> privacy, at least, we talk a lot about food. Talk but this is all food. that we have time for today for the combined Serious Data Diva Privacy Police podcast. We <laughs> hope you enjoyed listening to all five of us. And Do hats, we? hats off to <laughs> Jeff Jockish from all of us, I would say, for keeping keeping Shout a sharp Jack. for making Thank sure that much, these Jeff. charts are there every every quarter we thoroughly enjoy making all these podcasts for you mm-hmm. and if you don't listen to all of us yet we have debbie reynolds the data diva we have cameron and gabe for privacy please and we have Kay and myself for serious privacy go like and subscribe to all of them Find us and online and send show, us your hold comments on, Paul, before you get there this does show that it's not about being competitive it's about there is a lot to share, and most of us are friends. Absolutely. Right. There's room for all of us. I'll tell you. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at all the comedians that do podcasts and stuff. They're not competing with each, exactly. each other. It's all about where I believe that we are at the beginning. Well, a couple of years ago we were, but I think that this is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. It's going to be a very big, it's going to just continue to expand. So excited that we all started from the kind of beginning we actually serve a good purpose yes we laugh a lot we talk Mm -hmm. a lot but we do breaking news on things that are happening in privacy new laws that are passed new guidance comes out new court case that passed someone the other day said that in studying for her iapp she was told to study the book 
make sure you use their language, but understand current events. And for current events, she listened to privacy podcasts. You know, that's the way. That's great. That's great. It is. And it actually helps. I've spoken recently at conferences to a lot of people who are entering the privacy profession and they use our podcast as well to get a feel for what it's like to be a privacy professional and to understand all these topics. So Cameron, Gabe, Debbie, hats off to you as well for all the great work that you are doing. And I'm just wrapping up here. I'm not going to do all the call outs for all the contact details. You can find those online (laughs) for all three of our podcasts. But thank you very much for listening today. It was a pleasure making this with the five of us. And we hope you listen to us soon. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Bye. Hey listeners, looking to navigate the realm of responsible AI data privacy governance? Well, look no further. Absolutely. TrustArc is paving the way, offering a complete approach to managing privacy risks in the world of AI. TrustArc allows organizations to confidently use AI with personal or sensitive data, moving forward efficiently and cost-effectively. And here's the kicker. Protect your company and data with TrustArc's privacy-driven compliance software. Because they're... Deep automation streamlines data privacy governance, cutting your time to compliance with automated data mapping, risk assessments, and regulatory reporting. TrustArc's enhancements go way beyond that, helping organizations understand AI better and align cross-functionally on data governance, privacy, and security. Plus, they provide guidance on privacy governance for AI and how to mitigate risks using frameworks like NIST AI, OECD AI, and the Nemesis Privacy Management Accountability Framework. If you're aiming for compliance excellence, check out Privacy Central, seriously one of my best parts. It uses automation and privacy expertise to understand your requirements, build and manage your privacy program with ease. Oh, I agree. Privacy Central is your go-to to measure your progress toward responsible AI data compliance. Stay ahead with TrustArc's Privacy Central. Visit TrustArc.com now. Ask me a Paul if you have any questions.